Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, William Lou. For the 2020 NBA Finals, I will be doing the Reaction Podcast, and this is the Game 1 uh, Finals Reaction Podcast, where the Los Angeles Lakers won 116-98 to over the uh, Miami Heat. Um, this is bad. If you are a Heat fan, this is really bad. This this might be close to the worst-case scenario. I'm not counting the Heat out just yet, even though it does say sweep is on the table. I understand that's what it says on the byline here, but... Um, this is close to the worst-case scenario because you have a couple of things. One, obviously, you just lost game one. Um, you know, it was... Actually, the Heat had a double-digit lead to start the game, and it was looking really good. They were shooting the three really well. Uh, but then the Lakers went on, I'm not even kidding, like a 77-37 to 37 run and um, just completely cruised from there. So that's pretty bad. It's also pretty bad that uh, your three most important players have all uh, suffered injuries to varying degrees. You got Jimmy Butler rolling his ankle uh, first in the first quarter. Just a real, it looked like a really painful um, ankle roll. He stayed in the game. He came out in the halftime, and then he rolled his ankle again. Uh, he continued to stay in the game, but that's not good. Uh, Bam Adebayo left the game after um, throwing his shoulder into Dwight Howard on a drive. It was a foul on Dwight, but uh, really it was just a really hard. Uh, hit. I mean, like, those two guys are both just, like, massive dudes. And the thing is, Bam had a shoulder injury dating back to the Celtics series. So it was on the same shoulder. Bam left the game, and uh, he did not return. And then the worst thing is that uh, Goran Dragic um, left the game after suffering a foot injury. It looked like a non-contact foot injury. There's some reports out there that's saying that Goran Dragic might be done for the series. And uh, that would just be... You know, uh, the absolute worst case scenario because, you know, I mean, (laughs) these are the three main pieces for the Heat. As much as the Heat have been a team that have um, seen contributions from up and down the roster, you know, uh, obviously Tyler Hero gave that great game um, in the the Celtics uh, series. And, of course, he was really good in the Celtics series, averaging close to 20. Um, Andre Godala, I thought, gave him some pretty good minutes throughout. Uh, Jay Crowder's had some nice shooting nights. you know, even Olenek's given them some decent production, but, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, those are your three guys. <laughs> to put that into a Raptors perspective, this would be like if, you you know, the Raptors were playing LeBron, and, um, yeah, you know, you have Kyle suffering a foot thing, you have Pascal got a shoulder injury, and then, I, I don't even know, like, Fred as well being hurt? Like, yeah, you know, you just wouldn't really... Um, have too much hope left, but look, I, I will say that uh, if Butler was able to play out the rest of the game, I think Butler should reasonably be able to play the next game. Again, we'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully things with Bam are okay. I mean, I understand not bringing him back into the game because it was such a blowout. doesn't fully make sense. Um, now, of course, obviously the Heat have to really hope that uh, they could do something to him. But, 
you know that's that's a concern. He's the he's the Heat's best player and and most important player. Um, and I'll talk about that in a second. But the Dragic thing is just really sad because Dragic has been really balling out through the course of these playoffs, man. Um, but uh, yeah, Dragic had led the Heat in scoring with twenty one points per game uh, in the first fifteen games of the playoffs. Obviously, they went twelve and two or twelve and three in those fifteen games. And um, yeah, I mean. He led the team in scoring. He's been really good at generating offense for the team. Obviously, Jimmy gets a lot of credit, and Jimmy's a lot better defensively, but Goran has really been steady for them. And if he is actually out for the series, I don't know, man, because you can't really just look at, like, okay, yeah, maybe Kendrick Nunn can come in. And Kendrick Nunn had a decent game, you know, in garbage time. He scored 18 points on 8 of 11 shooting. You might say, well, maybe, you know, Kendrick Nunn steps in. Kendrick Nunn is not going to cut it, all right? He's just not going to cut it. Um, He does not create the types of uh, openings that Dragic does for other players. He doesn't have like Dragic's ability to draw fouls. And realistically, Kendrick Nunn was benched uh, for most of the playoffs for a reason. It's because he's just not very, very good. Um, I know the, the counting stats are there, but I just don't really believe in him as a player. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was a this was a tough game for Miami, is what I'm trying to say. Um, you know, again, the, the Heat came out really strong. Um, you know, the, the Lakers were hitting their outside shots early, but the Heat were also really scoring it really well. Um, you know, they took the early lead, but of course, you know, um, the Lakers were able to climb back into it. And really the biggest factor in which the the Lakers got going was the fact that Adebayo picked up two quick fouls, um, and that really limited his minutes. Obviously, he left the game with injury anyway, but, um, you know, two fouls, both a little bit soft. The second foul, LeBron's just driving hard into him. Adebayo has inside position, good position, and there's contact on the play, but they call it against Bam instead of against LeBron or just saying no calls. I, I mean, again, when you're playing against LeBron, you know, it's... I mean, look, as Raptor fans, we know this. We played against LeBron many times. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, the contact is going to be very, very difficult to legislate when it comes to Mr. LeBron James. But, um... Yeah, you got Bam uh, going down with foul trouble. And and he is just such an important piece of the team. And, and uh, obviously in, in any sort of game, but especially in a series like this, because if you look at this specific matchup, the Lakers are huge across the board, right? They're starting Dwight Howard, which is kind of a continuation of what they did in the Denver series. Uh, they're starting Anthony Davis, obviously, and then LeBron. So those three guys are already massive in terms of just as a front line. You got two seven-footers and then, of course, LeBron, who's... LeBron. Um, and then your guards are Danny Green and KCP. Both those guys are 6'5 and above, and both defensively really, saw, uh, uh, you know, capable. It's just a massive team. And so, uh, especially on the front court, I mean, Bam is pretty much the Miami Heat's only legitimate defensive big man. Um, if you look at who they're going to bring off the bench, they got away with playing Andre Godala at backup center for extended stretches in the Celtics series, you can do that when it's uh, Grant Williams on the other side. Or if it's um, even, you know, Daniel Tice. or e- Honestly, even when it was Enos Cantor was like, whatever, we can just get it back on offense. Uh, you just can't say that uh, uh, against the Lakers. You can't do that to the Lakers. You know, you can't really bring in Kelly Olenek and expect to uh, be able to defend effectively, especially if he's playing center against some of these guys. So... Bam just cannot get in foul trouble, period. And this is putting aside whether he's healthy or not. I'm just going to assume that hopefully his shoulder is going to hold up for game two because it's not, it, this series is really going to be a wrap. Um, but you just can't let Bam get into foul trouble because Bam is so important to Miami, uh, not just defensively, and of course defensively is a big, big thing uh, in this series, 
but uh, offensively as well, because so much of Miami's offense is predicated around these like handoffs surrounding Bam Adebayo, where he's got the ball. Uh, someone's lifting uh, up top to receive the ball as a shooter. There's a split second. Uh, those shooters are obviously very deadly, uh, very quick trigger kind of players. And of course, you know if um, you know if, if the defense sells out, and, you know whoever's guarding Adebayo is also pressuring on the perimeter. Adebayo is really good at slipping to the rim. Uh, he's also got the fake handoffs where, you know, he may, he might not even necessarily pass. If he sees his, his man coming out of position, he might just keep the ball, drive to the rim, score. Bam has been awesome. I mean, he was the best player in that, uh, uh, heat Celtic series. And that's not easy to do. There's some pretty talented players there. Uh, he's just so important to the team. I mean, he is the hub offensively and defensively. So the fact that he got into two early foul trouble, um, really really hurt it also kind of hurt just like he didn't really have his presence in the game like even when he did come back in and play it wasn't the same signature type of intensity aggression anything like that he was kind of invisible you know he did have a couple of opportunities in the third quarter there you know that the heat tried to get bam open a little bit more in the mid-range the lakers did a good job of just like staying back and taking the rim away from bam because as big as bam is you know, maybe that Celtic series gave a sort of um, the wrong impression as to how big Bam truly is. Because Bam is actually 6'9". He has an incredible wingspan. And he's very, very strong. But, um, you know, it, it, it's one thing where you can just pick up the ball and just drive it around, I don't know, you know, Daniel Tice or, or Grant Williams. Those guys are small. Uh, it's another thing when Dwight Howard's waiting for you at the rim or Anthony Davis is waiting for you at the rim. And LeBron is obviously a, a threat to also block your shot as well. So... It's just going to be tough. Um, so, you know, Bam settled for a lot more of the mid-range jumpers. You know, he's got a decent floater. His mid-range shot is surprisingly good, but uh, none of it was just hitting. And, of course, then when he tried to force it to go into the free throw line and drive into the basket, taking it hard, uh, you know, he he clangs into Dwight and, uh, you know, his shoulder essentially um, becomes re-aggravated and that took him out of the game. So that's that's kind of where it was. And on the, on the other side, you know, the, the Lakers just played good patient offense like this wasn't necessarily a stellar game from the Lakers now of course you don't need a stellar game one Dragic pretty much is non-existent because of injuries uh you know Bam's obviously between foul trouble and injuries he's not really there and of course Butler you know suffers the ankle thing um you don't necessarily have to play your best but uh, you know it it does worry me the Lakers kind of just played their game like they didn't necessarily have to reach deep into the bag for anything they didn't really need to pull any tricks make any adjustments anything like that um, everything they were just doing was kind of what you would normally expect from a Laker game. Like, AD was getting offensive rebounds, getting fouled around the basket, 10 free throw attempts for AD. You know, LeBron just kind of doing his thing where he's just kind of controlling the ball, controlling the pace at the, the top of the floor, setting everyone up, calling for the screen, picking on, you know, uh, who, whoever is the weak defender on the Miami Heat, pretty much all the white players, and just driving to the rim or, you know, when the double team came, picking it out. And that's where the Lakers get really dangerous because they hit their threes, um, which they, I mean, they were on fire. I think at one point they were 11 of 17. They finished 15 of 38, so they definitely cooled off. But um, when they hit their outside shots, it's just game over. Like, there's not too much you can do against them. Now, I I thought um, Eric Spolstra came out with a decent game plan against the Lakers defensively. I think he had the right idea in the sense that, you know, having watched the Raptors go against the Lakers um, twice this season... Um, you know, the best way I think to, to limit the Lakers is, you know, you send double teams against AD, you send hard double teams, force them to get rid of the ball. Uh, and then you also try to send a second body at LeBron. 
uh, you know, it's not necessarily as much urgency in terms of how you send it to LeBron because um, LeBron obviously is such a good passer that you, you would like to stay at home as much as possible. Obviously, it's not realistic because he's going to get past his man. And, and if he doesn't even get past his man, he's going to outmuscle his man. So he's going to get to his spot. You're going to have to necessarily, you're going to have to send a double team at some point. And he obviously is a great passer. But at least with AD, you know, if you swarm him with extra bodies earlier on, he's not that great of a passer. But, I mean, you just look up and down the roster. Like, LeBron with the nine assists, AD with five assists. They're doing well. And I think the, the added dimension now with the Lakers is, even if you do want to double team some of these guys, okay, that that, that hurts the Lakers if you can double team when um, the guy has the ball, of course, when that guy's initiating. It's a different story when Rondo's out there. And, I, you know, honestly, having watched the playoffs and, and the Lakers pretty closely throughout the course of the playoffs, Rondo was kind of like their third best player, which... I still can't decide at this point if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Like, I don't necessarily think having Rondo in 2020 as your third best player is necessarily a, a winning f- a formula. But honestly, I mean, when your top two guys are AD and LeBron, the third guy doesn't matter as much. But Rondo has just come in and just done a really good job of managing the game. It gives him another dimension as to sort of how they want to set up the offense. You know, he can handle the ball up top. He makes good decisions. Um, he's really good at being patient and setting people up in the post. And, yeah, I mean, it's just tough. I mean, you know, it's not like you're going to double-team Rondo. You're not going to pressure the ball there. Some of these guys can get their offense off-ball. And when you're getting offense off-ball, then it's harder to double, right? You, you can't have two guys in AD when he doesn't have the ball. That would be ridiculous. So, it's just tough. The Lakers had a good idea. You know, they anticipated well. You know, the Heat didn't really go to their zone very much uh, either. I think they can go to the zone a little bit more. But um, it was real telling that on the first possession of the game when the, the Heat went to the zone – uh, Rondo's on the floor, and he immediately recognized that A, it was a zone, and B, they were clearly prepared for it. They've clearly practiced for it because uh, Rondo was on the side of the floor. Uh, he called for AD to get a screen, then AD rolled to the rim, and that kind of just pulled um, the baseline defender off that zone with AD rolling to the rim because it's like you can't just let AD roll to the rim, man. especially with a guy like Rondo who's a good lob thrower. And what that did was that it just completely opened up. Um, the strong side corner. And so it, Rondo was able to just swing the ball to KCP and KCP hit a corner three. And KCP had just hit another corner three right before that in the exact same spot. So obviously he was going to make it. Uh, and and yeah, it, it seemed like maybe because of that one play or I don't really know what else, but uh, it seemed like that he didn't go to the zone as much. Um, I, I still think the zone is probably something that should feature a lot more. I, I don't really feel like that he'd have the great the greatest matchups in terms of one-on-one defense. Um, you know, defensively, the Heat, when they were in man-to-man and when they were healthy, what they did was they put Crowder on AD and then they put Bam on uh, Dwight Howard. And I think what that does is, A, it allows Bam to stay closer to the rim because um, he's guarding Dwight, who's obviously a non-shooter. Uh, and then, B, it allows uh, Bam to, um, you know, come over as a help defender at the rim you know, he's pretty much their only shot-blocking presence, so you don't want to tie him up with AD because, I mean, I don't know, man. If AD beats him on the first line of defense, no one's going to block the shot. Although Kelly Olenek had some had two blocks on AD that was a little bit surprising, but this is when the game was kind of out of reach. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that, that strategy is fine. Um, you know, obviously the results weren't great today, but, again, you can't expect the Lakers to shoot like this every single game. Um, obviously... It's not great that you're leaving a lot of these shooters open, but the, the Heat, for the most part, did a decent job of sort of getting LeBron uh, to pass the ball, getting AD to pass the ball, 
and they were doing okay. Obviously, as as the game went on, you know, with the Miami Heat being so incapable offensively to generate uh, without some of their leading guys, you know, the Lakers were able to run away with it a little bit. But you know, it's um, it's gonna be uphill battle for Miami, man. I just hope they're healthy. Um, but I mean, look, there there are a couple of things that the Heat can do if they, you know, assuming the guys are healthy. Uh, which at this point is a big assumption, but assuming that guys are healthy, there are just a couple of things that the Heat could do in terms of getting it to um, getting it to be a closer game, a more competitive game. Uh, I, I really don't think that a, a, a team as proud and as uh, innovative and as mentally tough as the Miami Heat will go down in a sweep. I'm not saying this is a Dwayne Casey. We got to play for pride a moment, but you know, you you, you got to pride has to be mentioned. Maybe not publicly, but you know, at some point, it's got to come across your mind. You got to play with pride. Um, but there's a couple things I think that he can do to make it closer, and maybe even steal a game or sort of extend the series. Um, one, I, I think they got to play a little bit more in the pick and roll, especially against Dwight Howard. That seemed like the main weakness uh, in the Lakers starting five. I wouldn't say Dwight isn't usually a bad def- um, pick and roll defender by any means, but um, the the Heat were able to just repeatedly go at Dwight and have guys score. You know, uh, Jimmy Butler was able to um, you know collapse the defense, get into two on one situation off the high screen, uh, occupy Dwight, and then uh, throw a little dump off pass to I think Bam for a dunk. Tyler Hero was able to drive in for a layup against Dwight. Um, you, there was just things that you could have done. Dragic got in for a, a layup against Dwight where he, he, you know, did a little ball fake to uh, his roller and Dwight turned his back to the play like he was Matt Thomas. Um, you know, I, I think that he can do a little bit more in the pick and roll, especially trying to target at Dwight. I mean, it, it's, again, it's not going to be easy, um, but I'm, I mean, I don't know. I felt like that was their best source of offense. Um, obviously, they can do a little bit more dribble handoff stuff too. Like, they don't necessarily have to always... Um, pick and roll with Dwight, they can have um, their big man, obviously, you know, whether it's Bam or whoever, um, run these dribble handoffs. I mean, I think a good example of that is in the second quarter, um, Iguodala was playing a lot of small ball center, or at least sort of functionally in that sort of dribble handoff guy in the middle. And he was coming off these dribble handoffs for um, Duncan Robinson, and, and the Lakers were aggressively trapping. You know, Dwight was coming out to the perimeter and trying to contain and Duncan was able to uh, throw the pass over the top to Iguodala, going down the middle of the floor for either you know a, a layup before the def- before the defense can rotate, or if they did rotate, then uh, Iggy's a pretty good passer, um, and p- basically kind of playing that Draymond Green role, which, um, you know, with what with, with, with the Warriors used to do with that death lineup. But um, yeah, Iggy's able to he's a good passer. He's able to find the open shooter if there was help coming. So I, I think you know playing more in the pick and roll game. I think that's sort of natural for the Miami Heat anyway. They're kind of a perimeter-oriented team, but uh, it seemed like they got out of their offense a little bit more. Um, I, I think, yeah, target Dwight in the pick-and-roll uh, and, you know, be a little bit more aggressive with your dribble handoffs. I mean, Duncan Robinson only having three shot attempts. I know he went 0 for 3, but that's too low. That just is too low, especially in a game where, you know, a lot of the other main scorers are out. Uh, you kind of just need Duncan to force a couple of shots up. Um you know, and and look, I've watched the Heat, you know, very closely throughout the course of the playoffs. Duncan is able to get some shots up. He's six foot eight. Usually, guys are in his face, but those are his shots. He still just needs to increase that volume. Just taking three shots is kind of not acceptable for Duncan, especially in twenty seven minutes. Um, 
So that's one, you know, target Dwight in the pick and roll. Two, I think playing more zone it will help. Um, I, I do believe that the Lakers will cool off a little bit. When you look at some of the performances they got today, especially to start the game, because obviously at the end of the game they cooled off, but, you know, um, I, I just, you know, Markeith Morris, uh, even K- KCP's, you know, whatever, Danny Green, you know, up and down famously, AD, two or four. It, it could come down a little bit. I mean, ultimately... Um, the Lakers did cool off and they were still able to win this, but I, I just don't think that the, especially with the Heat, given how small they are, they they just need to uh, really prioritize stopping the paint. Um, the, the 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 Lakers are just able to get to the paint. I mean, they got to the free throw line too, twenty seven points. Um, they won the offensive rebounding battle nine to five. Uh, they were in the they were just in the paint. Um, it felt like the whole game. Uh, LeBron driving effortlessly to the paint, and and even necessarily, you know, the points in the paint that can kind of be um, a little uh, misleading sometimes. Because if you look at this game, the Lakers were at thirty-eight points in the paint, the Heat were at forty-six. You might say, "Wow, the Heat did better in the paint." No, the Heat actually um, sometimes, you know, if you are prioritizing taking away the paint, and if you are consistently getting beat in the paint, that you need to send drives in desperation, and you're leaving guys wide open on the three. You're still getting hurt in the pain. It's just not necessarily the points are coming originating from the pain. But um, yeah, you you, you just need to uh, keep the Lakers out of it. And I think the zone is going to work um a little bit better than the man-to-man defense, just on the whole. Um, you know, if you just obviously the Lakers have great passers, they got great bigs. It's a different kind of zone um look that they might have to throw against um the the Lakers as compared to what they threw against the Celtics. I would say, um, one, I, I think it might make a little bit more sense to keep your... Obviously, the, the so the Heat play a unique zone where they put their two forwards up top, that put their center in the middle, and um, their two smaller guards uh, on the, the baseline. Normally, uh, you know, you would have your forwards on the baseline and you have your two guards up top. That's why the Raptors run it with Kyle and Fred. Um, I, I would say in this matchup, you, they might have to flip that a little bit. Um, and, and sort of keep your smaller guys out top and keep your bigger guys on the baseline. That way, you know, if they do get past your first line of defense, you have bigger guys who can contest at the rim. Because, again, everything comes down to taking away the rim against the Lakers. That's how the Raptors were able to beat the Lakers twice. Obviously, that was the different circumstances, whatever. But the, the fundamental basis is you got to stop the Lakers from getting to the rim. Get it, stop getting them into the paint. And, yeah, I mean, you know, in order to do that, you know, even if you have your forwards up top, they just screen that forwards out of the play. He's chasing from behind. All of a sudden, you have, like, I don't know, Tyler Hero rotating from the baseline to can challenge on the shot. Like, that's not going to do anything, right? So you might as well try to um, flip your zone defense just a little bit. Now, of course, that's going to be an issue because the, the Heat obviously have not played like that all season. They played their zone, sort of that inverted zone with their forwards up top. But it just is what it is, man. You might have to just roll with it, you know? Um, but, yeah. And then... You know, the third thing is, listen, you, at some point, again, going back to the Dwayne Casey thing, at some point you just got to play with pride, man. You just you just have to. Like, um, you know, I, I saw a little bit of that physicality from Jay Crowder. Um, apparently he uh, tried to uh, tug on LeBron's arm during a loose ball, and LeBron was apparently um, cussing him out throughout the course of the game. I'm not saying you got to play dirty, but, you know, What's that? What's that? Matt Barnes quote: uh, "Violence is never the answer, but sometimes it is." Like, listen, when you're down the series, you might just need a little violence. Uh, I'm not advocating for it, but I'm just saying, you know, Pat Riley probably will be advocating for it or something. So, 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's looking tough. And mostly it's looking tough because of the injuries. Because, again, you just don't want to see asterisks put on a championship team. I mean, if the Lakers win a championship against a banged-up team, you, you hate to see them end up in a 2019 Raptors situation. People always bringing up, oh, the, you, know, you know, this guy wasn't healthy, or this guy wasn't healthy, this guy wasn't healthy. You know, you would hate to have to spend a lot of time online defending these takes. No, actually, you know, injuries is a part of the game, okay? Um, and it is what it is. Obviously, you want to see the Heat are the best. Because I, I did think that the Heat were the underdogs heading into the series. If they suffer significant injuries to their significant players, obviously, you know, it, it's not even an underdog. It might just be a wrap. But, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I just, you know, considering the fact that we're not going to have basketball uh, next season until January, um, I would like to see some competitive basketball if possible. And, yeah, I'm going to need the Heat guys to be healthy. So, please, please, uh, you know, let, let's all hope for, that the Heat are healthy, no matter who you're rooting for. Because you never want to see, um, you know, a, a team go down like this. Especially because Miami's had such an amazing run, you know. You look at Butler, he's played, what, 10-plus years in his career maybe now? Maybe he's in his, you know, ninth or 10th year. Um, but he's he's played a long uh, time. He's worked really hard to get to where he is. He's really improved actually kind of really want OG to follow a Butler-type trajectory if possible. Obviously, that's asking for a lot. Um, but, you know, Butler's worked really hard to get in the spot. This might be his best chance. Uh, Dragic, kind of the same deal. He's played longer than Butler has. Um, you know, hopefully he gets a good chance to do this. And I, I like the Heat this year. So, first time I can say I actually like the Miami Heat, but... Um, it would just be a shame if this is what happens to them. So, uh, in terms of your three stars... Um, yeah, so I guess I got to tweak the three stars format because I guess I just got to go from both teams. I mean, I think they're probably all going to come from, um, you know, Le- okay, I- I'll give AD the first star. I thought AD played a fantastic game, uh, played off the ball, so you're not necessarily noticing as much as LeBron, but finishing plays, hitting threes, hitting jumpers. It's really scary when the Lakers are just able to get him off a screen in the middle of the floor like he's Rip Hamilton, and he just pulls for a mid-range jumper, and he's, he switches it. He's been so good in the mid-range throughout this course of the playoffs. Um, yeah, 34 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 blocks, 38 minutes, 11 of 21, uh, you know, 2 threes, 10 of 10 from the free throw line. Just everything you would want in a big man, man. Anthony Davis is is phenomenal in that sense. Um, I like the fire that he showed. I like, you know, constantly he keeps talking about um, how much Lakers need to sort of stay focused and, uh, and sort of not get swept up in the moment. And I kind of really enjoy that about him. Obviously, as a, a guy who's making his first trip to the finals, he's saying all the right things. He's showing all the right um, mentality. You know, uh, even though he's having a hot game when LeBron demands the ball, he's giving up the ball. He's playing really unselfishly, and and honestly, for a, a sidekick, you know, quote unquote, to LeBron, this man's making just as much impact as LeBron out there, um, and and you can see it. I mean, he's plus twenty three. Uh, LeBron, who I'm giving the second star to, twenty five points, thirteen rebounds, nine assists, a steal, nine of seventeen shooting, two of four from three, five of six from the free throw line. Uh, he was only a plus ten. Part of that was because he was on the floor for so long when um, the Heat were sort of making their weird little fake comeback in the fourth quarter. Lakers kind of just stopped trying hard, and LeBron was kind of shifting into the assist-hunting mode. He was trying to get to his triple-double. He was at eight assists for a long time in the fourth quarter. He couldn't end up getting it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, LeBron was fantastic. You know, he managed another great game. You know, he he's he's like a great pitcher at this point. Like, you know, he's just, he's just controlling every aspect um, you know, especially offensively, you know, he's dictating it where everyone's going. He's, you know, uh, it, it honestly, you know, this analogy gets used too much, but it's, it's like seeing someone play chess. He's literally just moving pieces around. 
And he's done such a great job with it. He gets himself into good matchups. Uh, he puts pressure on the defense. And then he makes the right read. Uh, again, it's just, it's a lot of what he does now is very simple. It's not as flashy as what he used to do. Um, but it, it's just, it's painfully uh, uh, effective. And yeah, he was, he was great today. And then your third star, I mean, I kind of want to give to Butler. I mean, 23 points. He played well, you know, pretty much only in the course of three quarters. Obviously, he sort of suffered an injury. Uh, You know, defensively, you know what? I'll give it to Butler, too. You know, defensively, he battled, too. I, I, You know, again, depending on the state of his ankle, we'll see. But I kind of like to see him guard against LeBron. I mean, Butler is the strongest guy on the Heat. You just need a lot of strength to stay in front of LeBron, man. LeBron's just going to push you underneath the rim otherwise. So, um but yeah, Butler was also pretty effective working the pick and roll game. I thought I like that he was aggressive early. You know, he has his tendency sometimes, especially with his Heat team, where he'll just wait till the fourth quarter to take over. You can't do that, man. You wait till the fourth quarter against the Lakers, you're going to be in a blowout. Um, so you know, Butler was aggressive early, and yeah, just ho- hope everything was okay with the ankle. But he had 23 points, five assists, two steals, eight of 13 shooting, uh, including two of four from uh, deep. He seems pretty good in the corners and just not very good at the top. I think it's a kind of a range thing for him in terms of the jumper. But um, yeah, 33 minutes for Butler, pretty effective. And again, just really hoping that his ankle's okay. Uh, in terms of your Gerald Henderson Award winner, um, you know. I'm not totally sure where to go with this. I might give it to Kendrick Nunn only as an excuse to talk about him. So he came into the game. He shot some shots. He was aggressive looking for his offense. You know, look, if Dragic is indeed actually out for a significant period or for the whole series, you're going to need Nunn to actually come into play. And, yeah, I mean, look, realistically, I don't expect Nunn to give you that much. I don't think he's that good of an outside shooter. And, I mean, I don't think him getting to the rim is going to be that effective against the Lakers. The Lakers are just going to be so hard to score at on the rim, given their size. But he could create a shot, I guess. You know, he, he can rise up for a mid-range jumper, and he was hitting a lot of those today. So, give him his credit, I guess. 18 points, 5 rebounds, 8 of 11 shooting off the bench in 20 minutes. Um, you know, if the if the he can expect that from him for the whole series, they'd be thrilled. Um, but, yeah. And then, in terms of your Patrick Patterson award winner, I mean, I don't know, man. There's some pretty comical stat lines. Tyler Hero was a minus 35 in this game, shooting 6 of 18. He was slow to start. He had a couple of baskets late, but, um, yeah, minus 35 is it's kind of impressive, man. That's that's not easy to do. <laughs> I, just, I just feel like that's hard to be a minus 35. But, uh, yeah, he was on the floor for a lot of the second quarter where the, the Lakers kind of pulled away. And he was on the floor to start the third quarter, too, because Dragic was out. And that's when Miami went on their ridiculous 77 to 37 runs. So you're going to have a terrible plus minus. So yeah, that does it for the game one reaction podcast. Um, again, please uh, actually let me know first off if you've enjoyed it or, or if you just strictly want to listen to Raptors. That's not going to change. I'm still going to do coverage for the rest of the finals. But um, just let me know uh, or if anything in terms of what do you want to see with the format, uh, what do you want to see a little bit differently from a regular reaction podcast, if you want to hear guests or anything like that. Uh, things are on the table. It's, it's a little bit more flexible. Um, you know, Again, we only have a couple more games left uh, in the NBA season, so we should try to cherish it, try to make the most of it. And obviously, this is a Raptors podcast, and there will be tons of Raptors coverage. Uh, but, you know, you know, just let me know if you if you enjoyed the uh, the finals coverage and sort of what you would would change or anything else about it. Uh, and then one last thing before I go, there was a report out there um, from admittedly I have no idea what uh, 
the reporting scene looks like in terms of European basketball. The surface idea, but not really. Uh, there was a report out there that said that it was confirmed that Marcus Gasol was signing in Barcelona. There were hints uh, earlier in the offseason that Mark uh, would be pursuing uh, or would be pursued by Barcelona and everything like that. Now, um, the, the coach, uh, Sarunas Jesakevicic, who, uh, you know, he came out and actually said before uh, Barcelona's uh, football uh, football match, I'm so used to saying Barcelona football, uh, <laughs> Barcelona's basketball game. Um, that, you know, officially the club has not talked to Marcus all yet, but, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this ultimately ended up happening. Um, if it were the case, again, as I've explained in sort of other places, it, it would make sense for Mark to sort of make this decision, especially in a short term, um, you know, it, it, with COVID being the way it is, and of course, especially the way it is in the States, obviously how rampant it is and how much it's everywhere. Uh, it's sort of put the 2020-2021 NBA season into a bit of a doubt. Adam Silver spoke before the finals, as he always does, and he said that most likely it's going to be January. They're still trying to maybe get to December, late December, Christmas time, but no, it's probably going to be in January. Um, you know, it's just going to be tough. There might be bubbles involved. If there are no bubbles, then they're obviously more of a COVID risk. It, it might just be kind of messy. Um and for Mark, it might just make more sense for him to spend this next year just in Spain. You know, he was born in Barcelona. His family's from Barcelona. His, you know, he could have his kids in Barcelona, everything like that. You know, he could actually just play. And, you know, obviously I'm sure the weather in Barcelona is a lot better than uh, than in Toronto or, you know, most places in the NBA um, in the wintertime. But, you know, I, again, this report's not fully confirmed. And, you know, there's some other things, too, in terms of just, like, finances, like... Um, you know, Barcelona, I don't think they could pay Mark more than like five or six mil. I think I read something like that out there. Uh, I know, obviously, they gave a big contract to Nikola Mirotic. Uh, and so that's going to tie up a lot of their financial obligations. I, I, again, I don't really know if there's a salary cap or if it's if, if it's more like FC Barcelona where they can just spend like 200 million on Felipe Coutinho and then let him just walk or some, you know, stuff like that. Um, but, you know... Um, yeah, I'm not sure if it's necessarily even a big money thing for Mark, you know. Again, it might just be a life life decision. Um, and if it is the case, you know, I I don't want to say my goodbyes too early, but, you know, I, Mark obviously is, was a very, very big part of the championship run. Obviously, was a big part of the team this year. He was banged up, but still a very unselfish, very, very capable uh, veteran who did contribute, especially on the defensive end and with his passing. And it was just a great guy, man. Just a really great guy. So um, hopefully Mark stick, sticks around. Hopefully Mark resigns with the Raptors. Obviously not at the same rate that he was on before, but something reduced. But if not, if he goes home, I'd be very happy for him. Uh, we'll obviously keep track of it. Uh, you know, if if their coach is saying that they haven't contacted Mark, then they haven't contacted Mark. But you know, it is what it is. But uh, yeah, that's it for the podcast. Again, let me know what you think of the reaction podcast format. Uh, for the finals and if you've enjoyed it or not and um, yeah hopefully you know the heat get healthy and we get a more competitive series because otherwise you know, a sweep is real <laughs> really possible and I would feel really bad for the heat if that happened so let's hope that doesn't selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. 
Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.